0: Good evening. Thank you. Welcome. Um, I'm I'm using notes tonight. I'm no Ed Miliband. (laughs) It's uh, it's a small club, those of us who still hope that Ed Miliband might turn a corner or might prove to be something other than the accident-prone buffoon that he increasingly seems to be. And and if you're a member of the group, then you you know things have got bad when, like me, every time you see him clapping his hands, there's a little bit of relief every time his hands actually meet each other. (laughs) Anyway, welcome back to No Pressure to be Funny at the Phoenix in Cavendish Square after a summer break that saw Rolf convicted, England defeated, and Scotland deflated. It's, uh, it's been a difficult few months for comedy. Seriously. Oscar's not a murderer, Bernie's bribe-free, Rebecca knew nothing, and Tony Blair is a Middle East peace envoy. <laughs> Seriously. You try writing jokes. And, of course, we lost Joan Rivers, but she will, of course, live on, as so much of her wasn't biodegradable in the first place. <laughs> it's terrible. Tesco, te- Tesco is reportedly in trouble after losing market share to Aldi and to Lidl, not to mention the discovery of a massive accountancy error. And all this from a company that really does refuse to offer comedians car insurance because they're all too irresponsible a little, little bit of bitterness from the scriptwriter there, I think. <laughs> oh, and I got a new iPhone 6 this week. So Bono's now living in my house. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some breaking news for you this evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have an update on the statement issued earlier today from the Tory MP, Brooks Newmark. Uh, I have decided to resign as Minister for Civil Society, having been notified of a story to be published in a Sunday newspaper. I remain a loyal supporter of this government as its long-term economic plan continues to deliver for the british people and to prove it, here is a photograph of my cock. <laughs> so only the last line was was new the rest of it, The rest of it was true I, I, he's, He's resigning because he sent a picture of his penis to a man pretending to be a woman working as a freelance preparing to sell the story to a Sunday newspaper. More more on this later. It's bloody fascinating. And he thought it would be appropriate to... write. The government, as its long-term economic plan continues to deliver for the British people. So his wife, meanwhile, the mother of his five children, is sitting upstairs in their £15 million Belgravia mansion cutting the sleeves off all of his Savile Row suits, and he's sitting downstairs... Pleading for his sort of marital life and thinking, I must remember to mention the long-term economic plan. (laughs) Stranger things have happened. Um, Not least the fact that our musical guest this week is now also a best-selling author. His first novel, Terror, was so good that the public immediately demanded another instalment. They really did. One of the many ways in which it differs from most sequels. So please, ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming to the stage author, renaissance man, musician, comedian, and tonight also panellist, Mitch Ben.
1: Uh, I'm going to try something, which may or may not work for to do just make this a bit taller, uh, because I am. Um, we had a weird time on the Now Show a The Now Show is the sort of Radio 4 thing I do. We actually did something kind of unprecedented on the Now Show um, this time, because the Now Show records on a Thursday evening and goes out on a Friday evening. Um, which means if anything happens late Thursday night, early Friday morning, we can't do anything about it. Last week, what was coming in the 24-hour gap was the Scottish referendum results. So we thought there was just no way we can do the show without knowing the results. So we took the unprecedented step of actually not recording the show until th- into Friday lunchtime. But I wrote two songs, because I thought, I'll write a song for what happens if we get the yes vote, and what happens if we get the no, and the no vote. So obviously, as you know, it was a no vote, so I, that's the song that went out. But I've got this other song, which I wrote, which has never been done anywhere. <laughs> so... Uh, I thought this might be a fun thing to try and do it if I can actually read my own writing and I think so. So, a bit of counterfactual sort of counter-history stuff. Just imagine if it... ..had been the yes vote, run the no vote. This is what I would have done, so it would have been... Scotland, you're leaving, you're finally leaving You've made your decision, we know I have a question on behalf of the English To ask you before you are go. Can we come with you? Can we come with you? Can you accommodate your erstwhile masters? Can we come with you? Can we come with you? We'd vote yes as well, except nobody asked us. Is there still time to smuggle us all over the border before you rebuild Hadrian's Wall? Can we come with you? Can we come with you? Scotland, Scotland, please. Can we come with We're not all Etonians, so don't hate or blame us Can we come with you? Can we come with you? We'll practice the accent, we'll like the proclaimers You're facing the future with excitement and fear We're facing the same old bollocks down here So can you come with you? Can we come with you? Scotland, Scotland,
0: please
2: Something like that anyway, so there
0: you go, thank you (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Ben Mick, do, you, do you want to explain what you're going yeah, to do in no, the second oh yeah. half?
1: yeah, I'm going to try and do something in the second half, which is probably going to be quite distracting while I'm pretending to be on the panel. Is, um, it, is
0: it something you wrote for someone else and didn't use? No.
1: Oh no. wow, thanks, <laughs> Mitch. What I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and write a song while we're doing the show. Um, so if you guys want to nominate uh, any particular news story, it doesn't matter if it's one which is going to come up in conversation as well. Maybe something slightly fringy. I don't know. I will try and write a song about. It. Tell you what, let's do two different news stories. That can get So. Anybody just shout out a new story from about the last seven days? Anybody? Wearing burkers in, in school. What was actually the story about that? Has it been banned? Is it being encouraged? What's the story? Banned in, banned in what school? Where? It'll help me. Camden. Right, Camden. 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 No burkers in Camden. All right. One other story, please. Anybody? DLT. DLT. Okay. Right. DLT. Burkers in Camden. <laughs> right, the cogs are turning.
0: Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Ben, who will Thank now you. join us on the panel, where he will be joined by—and uh, please a warm welcome for Dan Smith, Susie Ruffle, and Paul Sinha. <laughs> Dan Smith is the general secretary of the peace-building charity International Alert. Um, so, having read the papers, we're quite surprised he can spare us. The time at the moment, but we did book you down before David Cameron recalled Parliament, so thank you for being here. Susie Ruffle is one of the rising stars of the comedy circuit, described as a real stand-up gem by The Guardian, so we should probably apologise for making her sit down. (laughs) Hopefully she will be (coughs) unruffled, which is a joke she has almost certainly never heard before. Uh, No pressure regular on the M. Paul Sinner has been nominated for the Perry Award and appeared on countless programmes for television and radio. He is, of course, perhaps best known as the Sinner Man on ITV's The Chase with Bradley Walsh, a nickname so imaginative that that Susie Ruffell has turned down the chance to be on the programme. Ladies and gentlemen, your panel... Normally, of course, uh, we kick off with Alistair Barry's Devil's Advocate, but he can't make it this week. We don't, we don't know why, although it's rumoured he's defected to UKIP. Um, so instead, I'm going to start by talking to Dan Smith, because, Dan, we're, we're doing this edition of the show, of course, in association with International Alert. So a few, a few words, perhaps, on, on precisely what it is you do.
3: Uh, we work in about 25 countries around the world, helping people to build the conditions of lasting peace. What peace-building is about is taking the situation in a country from, the, for example, the opportunity which is given by the signature on a piece of paper to making peace a re- reality in their regular lives, in their daily lives. And that involves people getting together, talking with people often whom they disagree with, whom they hate, whom they have seen c- carrying out crimes, whom they think of as their enemies, and trying to build something that you could call a community. Uh, so people can work together. It involves them talking together and then doing and working together. And it's, um, as you can imagine, it's slow work.
0: I was going to say, it's it's not going well.
3: uh, Actually, (laughs) you you and every other sceptic and cynic in the land would be surprised. Peace is the big, unwritten good news story of the last 20 years. And
0: it's unwritten for a reason, because it it doesn't sell newspapers. That's right,
3: because building peace is about building normality. And building normality is not what gets the headlines. What gets the headlines, and probably should, are the tragedies and the pain and the misery. But there are now going on about half as many wars as there were in the mid-1990s. And that's for a reason. That's because people and some governments and some international organizations have worked hard over those 20 years. And International Alert is a part of that story.
0: Well, we, of course, have just – we, I use the term very loosely. I I have nothing to do with it. But we've just started another one, of course.
3: Yeah, uh, gone in where almost anybody who knows the region, it seems to me, whom I've been reading in the last couple of weeks, has been saying that what the U.S. and Britain and the Saudis, the UAE, other states are doing in Iraq and in the U.S.'s case in Syria as well, will not work. And yet, yes, that's what there has just been an overwhelming vote in favour of in the House of Commons. Even more
0: overwhelming, Paul Senna, than last time. I mean, it, it, there's a sense of deja vu, but the key crucial difference is we don't even have Liberal Democrats um, <laughs> objecting anymore. They, I mean, they, they were piling in alongside the Tories and most of the Labour Party. There is
4: a sense of deja vu, but I think there is... Um, well, I don't have the stats to back, back it up, but I think there is more public support at the moment for intervention than there was before because it's a much clearer, much more ideologically defined evil that we're discussing. Now I haven't really thought this through but what I thought about IS um, is that they don't, unlike, other organis- uh, unlike other terrorist organisations of the past they don't seem particularly concerned about killing themselves, they seem only concerned about killing other people there seems to be a sort of love of just killing other people that in my lifetime I don't think I've seen and that's the message that we're getting is that IS are essentially killing for fun and as and, and as a result, I think the, the the cultural clash seems much more severe now than it did back then. When people in 2003, when they were discussing the Iraq War, people didn't feel under threat from Saddam Hussein, and so there wasn't. Only because a, we weren't.
5: Well, that, that, yeah, yeah
4: that, that, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole point. Yeah. As people now do feel genuinely under threat. Do
1: they? I think. I think it's just. thing pulls on to something. You know, it's, it's a uniquely almost. Comic book level of evil that these guys appear to be. Indo- they're, they're, they're the first ones in sort of living memory who actually seem to know they're the bad guys. You know, it's very unusual in the yeah. real world for people to sit to actually know they're the bad guys. But they actually seem to be almost get, You know, it's, it's, it's the conspiracy theorist in you just thinks that somebody's making this up. You know yeah. what I mean? It's they you when know. We're I mean? tag I mean,
5: liars. We're the guys that were too extreme for our clan. Yes. yes. So like, yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah. This yeah. is. Yeah. But we going with
1: IS. Is that what we decide? Because nobody says Here we get ISIS, ISIL, IS. You know, they, it, they officially changed it from ISIS to Islamic State, so that went from sounding like an evil travel agent to the worst dance act of the early nineties. I, I, so, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I, I think it's. I think it, it, it's a bit like box Fizz. Like, the, the original members have disagreed on where oh, they the was band. The yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the original so, he, members have disagreed, so soon we'll have the real Islamic State, and then
4: we'll have the, the real can't Islamic State. I believe it's not the Islamic I mean, State. Mike, is Mike Nolan's Islamic State. The bootleg <laughs> Islamic State. If you told IS oh yes, they were just like an alcoholic cocktail, you wouldn't be here for very long. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'm interested that you're persuaded, as it were, because it's not...
4: It feels different.
0: Yes, I mean, I sense that it does. It, it should explain the vote. It would explain the, the, the public opinion. But the public opinion has changed in six weeks flat. And during those six weeks, so st- 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 the stuff we overlook is astonishing. During those six weeks, the people we're trusting to tell us that this is evil incarnate, mm. that Jihadi John is, is, is there and is doing these terrible things, and all the people that have given us this persuasive information, about six weeks ago said, oh, by the way, they're, they're three times bigger than we realised. At which point you sort of go, "Well, hang on. I mean, if, if you can't count them, <laughs> h- how exactly can you be so sure that they're doing everything that you're saying that they're doing and are indeed?" Uh, just, it just it's almost too convenient. Yeah. It's almost too evil. Laugh.
3: I, I think that there is a huge amount of exaggeration. Do you really? Uh, when you take the no, that you, wasn't meant to be funny. When you take the exaggeration away, yes, I think there is something there. Something different from <laughs> before. Fundamental and awful. And but this is the, the Muslim
0: that they've been warning us about for years. This is almost the EDL's wet it's, dream it's, of a Muslim, yes. which is terrifying. Yeah, yeah.
3: And, you know, the, and the whole point of them being well, the, the militant breakaway from al-Qaeda is, is a frightening but the, but that, thought. But it doesn't answer the question of whether this is the right thing to do. Exactly right? mm. Have we ever done anything at all like this in the region where we're doing it now? Um, Iraq, Libya, Afghanistan, so on. Question, second question, how did they go?
0: Mm.
3: Right. And the third question is, what's the definition of madness? Right? It's doing the same thing and expecting the result will be different. We will not get a solution to the problems by bombing or even take, by taking the, the bigger military action. I've listened to a lot of people who, quite serious, who I take seriously and who say bombing must happen but the ones whom I take most seriously say, but it will only work, it will only have an effect if a whole lot of other things happen as well. And the difficulty that we have is that it is not straightforward, it's not easy to see what that is that could happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, things have gone so far towards hell in a handcart in Iraq and in Syria that it's really difficult to sit down and say, oh, well, you know, here's the solution. I don't think anybody is doing that. I think it's simply my view is, why keep on doing the thing that has made it worse so far?
0: Because they don't know what else to do. Yeah. And they feel they have to do and something. And that's not a very good and, reason. And,
3: and, I mean, it, the
0: supply lines do have to stay open. I mean, we, we, we cannot really survive in the West without doing business with these parts of the world. And are the least bad people in charge, but the least...
3: But, th- but does that mean that now it is actually, as the Syrian official media and government is saying, that really now there's an alliance with Assad? Right? Is, is that where pragmatism takes you? Is that where the intervention is moving us? Are well, peop- it, it, would people it, it, be ethically, morally happy with that? How is Cameron going to square that with what he was saying a year ago or even what he was saying in, uh, in the debate on uh, this week?
0: Well, he could say, for example, well, look, all right, Assad's bad, but he's not as bad as King Fard of Saudi Arabia, and we've been in bed with him for 80 years. Hmm. That might that well, might somebody,
1: Somebody's paying for these people.
0: Right. Somebody's
1: funding these guys you know what i mean they i mean it's it's they're not all it's not all funded by bank robberies though apparently some of it was and somebody's paying for this
4: but you you mentioned the fact that people they're, they're they're voting on this because to do nothing seems like an equally horrific solution this is the problem is so you said you said looking for a solution there is no solution i mean people you know the the choice of taking the militaristic option when you say there's no track record of it ever being successful I think the people that are making the decision you know that only too well. That's where I get but all confused. But there's confused. no track record of doing nothing that's proved to be successful either. I mean, you've got to look at it both ways. And there, there really isn't an answer that makes any comfortable sense at all. We're not dealing with something that has simple solutions. And as a result, it is damned if you, if you do, damned if you don't. And it doesn't matter what they do, they, they, they will end up being damned by people that disagree I well, think The thing, the
1: thing is we now know that there are no comfortable solutions because 10 years ago we thought there was... Mm. 10 years ago, we actually thought we could sort this out with bombs and boots on the ground, and if anything, you know, what we've ended up with is infinitely worse. Not that what we had was great, but what we have now is infinitely worse. I think one gets the feeling that the world has matured a bit.
0: Well, you say say that, Mitch, but there was a a Fox (laughs) Fox News commentator responding to the news. I wasn't including Fox News. But one of (laughs) of the American pilots leading the the bombing campaigns is a a female, so the Fox Fox News commentator came up with the immortal phrase boobs on the ground, so... I mean, elements of the world might be maturing slowly. Well, you must
1: of Fox <laughs> News is basically four douchebags by douchebags. I mean, it really is. It's, just, it's got God,
0: amazing s- stickability. I, I guess we should also look um, at the question of people going from here from here to there. Can you, Susie, even begin to understand what might tempt a pharmacist from Birmingham or someone who works in Specsavers in Surbiton to, to take up arms in the in the in the Iraqi desert?
5: What? Well, no, not no. really. But I I don't know. I think that there's. My fear is that there's an enormous disenfranchised youth that just feel that they have no other option. And, that, and I, I don't... I, for me, you sort of going back into Iraq. It's just... I don't... I feel like... When is this going to end? It's just, I just feel like it's consistently history repeating itself. And nothing seems to have... Nothing ever seems to be changing from where I'm standing. You know, you know what's changed from then to now? It's almost the exact same news story. We're in Iraq. Someone's left take that. And Jim Davidson's well, back on tour. I, I mean, it's the exact same. It's
1: none of so much the case of no 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 other option so much as I think that this can look like the glamorous option for a certain mentality. Right. There is this nasty little thing inside some of us that just wants to have that kind of sadistic bully legitimised and be told that it's this is for a cause. And the idea is like, you know, you can be on the dole in Luton. Or you can be in Syria cutting people's heads off. I'm, I'm you know what I mean? I like, you know.
4: I've, I've researched this, and it turns out yeah. like that Specsavers in Surbiton has excellent working conditions, <laughs> a, very, a very generous pension plan, and a, and a multi-choice canteen. And, and so it's not—it's it's, it's, it's not the case that it feels like people are choosing to kill. Yeah, that's they're what I mean. Choos- but they do. The, the religious is it, is element. It, is it, is it a fear
5: that people—they're trying to take control like that? I, I don't oh, I hope that it's not an innate need to kill. Like, isn't it more about people trying to take some sort of control, feeling like they've been under the foot of the government for too long and it's their only way to be able to fight that? And the religion. Sure. You can't, you can't no, ignore course, the religion. And you realise
0: how nuts the religious side of it is when... Um, when they are asked, start asking to come home, the, the British jihadists. Mm. They start asking to come home because they've made a terrible mistake and they've ended up in Syria in the middle of a war and they thought they'd be going out to fight jihad and instead they're being encouraged by ISIS to, to kill the less radical, the less um, fundamentalist rebels in Syria. And, and So that lifts your heart a bit when you're back at home. waiting for your fucking appointment at Specsavers in (laughs) Serbiton. And it sort of gives you a little bit of hope that it might be light at the end of the tunnel. And then you look into what some of them are saying, and they're actually saying... Because the thing is, we're a bit worried that if we're killing non-radicalised rebels in Syria instead of killing uh, Assad's army, then we might not actually get our 32 virgins when we get to heaven. And at that point, you think, I don't know if I want you conducting my next eye test actually (laughs) after i think think i'm I'm quite comfortable to have 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 you stay there dan how, how much damage i mean how how much work have you done in that region and how much of that will now be undone already
3: we've got a program going in lebanon which is um a country which is kind of permanently about this far away from exploding into war it has um an extremely complex political system based on essentially on people's different faiths and uh, uh, religious identity. And it has a, you know, a very bad track record with an awful civil war which basically destroyed the country from the mid-1970s until 1990. Um, so we've been working there on especially on political dialogue between uh, representatives of all of the political parties, been working with uh, community groups in the border areas to Syria, and we're now working on some, some other programs there as well. And uh, what, one of the things which is interesting, um, Obama, in his speech to the United Nations, which is full of sort of, I think, mixed messages, remarked that you know, one beacon, one sign of hope was that, after all, in Lebanon, the political factions are still holding it together and refusing to fall for the temptation of, a, of an explosive confrontation in their own country. And I think that's true. And I think that the work that we've been doing, especially with the political parties, is a bit of a contribution to that. But clearly there is an enormous risk that it will overflow from Syria. And you should understand the overflow almost literally in terms of the movement of mm. people from Syria into Lebanon with guns and evil intentions. Uh, and if that does happen, Lebanon doesn't have an awful lot of ways of protecting itself.
4: Can I, I mean, it's, can I ask you, what would you say if you had an audience with Obama and Cameron? What would you tell them? in terms of what what, what you think the right way to go forward is right Okay, the
3: first thing I would do, I would try to concentrate their minds by saying, Libya, you had a tyrant in charge, you now have 1,700 militias fighting it out. The elected government has left Tripoli and gone to Tobruk. The militias which fought to overthrow um, Gaddafi are now uh, fighting each other. Uh, There's a war going on between radical Islamists, less radical Islamists, secularists, many of whom um, previously were associated with the Gaddafi government, do you think that is a good outcome? Because if it's not, put that kind of option to one side. It's not an alternative. That, that's the strongest thing which I feel, is it, if it doesn't work, acknowledge that it doesn't work, and now we have to try to find the solutions. There is going to be, in the end, no alternative, I think, to actually talking with a lot of groups, including governments, including maybe even the leaders of groups which are as bad as uh, ISIS and might even be ISIS and actually having negotiations because unless those groups talk to each other and come to an agreement there's not going to be peace but if that only happens at the leadership level that is going to be extremely weak and therefore it's to do with finding people who are kind of leaders of opinion in their own communities to, to get together to try to form that sort of Basis of view that this is this is not a solution. That carrying on with the civil war is not a way to go. When the v- fighting in Northern Ireland came to an end, yes, part of it was a high-level political agreement between the different parties. Part of it was people in Northern Ireland were just sodding fed up. Right, that wasn't their future. They knew it wasn't their future. They didn't have a future if it continued, and that did form a real pressure. Um, it's not by any means an easy, a quick, or a straightforward solution. But, as I said, things have gone so far towards real hell in Syria and in parts of Iraq that there is only a slow and a difficult way back. But I am certain that that slow and difficult way back does not include airstrikes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would uh, I, I would refer you to the title of this evening's entertainment if you're finding if you're finding the, the unanimity, the consensus, and and yeah, the the, the grim nature of exchanges so far, uh, grim. Uh, and, and I promise you that things will lighten up in the second half because you're in charge you're of it. Keep me quiet. Yeah. No, not at all, not at all. I, I'm going to get you to do some impressions. The. Uh, <laughs> One of the things that happens in the second half is that during the interval, you will all be invited to write down anything you'd like to draw to the panel's attention. So either picking up on something you've already heard or uh, or suggesting a line of conversation that you might want us to examine. In fact, um, why don't you join me in, in welcoming back to the stage for a crunching gear change, Mr Nick
4: Revel.
2: Thank you. Yeah, well, we, we we figured that the Middle East might uh, give us a lot to talk about this uh, this week, so the plan for my monologue uh, was to stay on the theme but to, uh, to look at the lighter side of intractable brutality and <laughs> genocidal slaughter. I, I tell you, you know, I've I, I got to be honest, it makes me want to give up satirical comedy altogether and just spend all my time in bed watching the Ryder Cup and the Great British Bake Off and retweeting cat videos. I just can't cope with it anymore. I'm going to do this monologue and that's it. No more politics in my act ever. It's just (laughs) too hard. From now on, I'm going to concentrate on going on stage and skipping and noticing things about cupcakes and celebrities and how women, women like shoes... And then I won't be playing to bleeding heart liberals like you in a subterranean slum. I'll be walking around the stage at Drury Lane taking a standing ovation from the Royal Box and getting free tickets for Wimbledon. (laughs) Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed how when you get home from your zero-hours minimum wage job after an 18-hour bus ride and a visit to the food bank, and you're sitting around watching a constant torrent of adverts for things you'll never have the money to be able to afford, and you feel utter, utter despair, don't you? Utter despair at being adrift and alienated from society. And all that powerlessness, all that powerlessness turns into rage. And you just want to go out and blame somebody. You do. You just want to go out and beat up some immigrants to make you feel like for a brief moment that you're not right at the bottom of the pile and then the needle sinks into your vein and suddenly everything seems okay. Have you ever noticed that? And then have you noticed how 12 hours later you need another hit and you think, oh, will it be blind xenophobic rage and violence or self-harming oblivion? Blind xenophobic rage and violence or self-harming oblivion? And then you think, I know, cheap strong love then I can do both of them who says men can't multitask (laughs) anyway I really don't know what to think about ISIS Um, actually I do know what I think about them as Susie said you know even Al Qaeda are going these guys are fucking nutters (laughs) these guys are off the fucking scale so in that sense they are bringing people together you know they're in a way, a force for peace and reconciliation. But I, I, I watched the Flames of War film, which is their propaganda film, and it's got all the philosophical depth of Grand Jihad Auto. It really fucking disturbs me, you know. I, I, but what I have found it hard to is, is to come up with a responsible set of jokes to do justice to the gravity of the situation and again as as James and and Susie said you know you look at some of the actual news coverage from some of the real news organizations you think well why would i fucking bother trying to be responsible you got this uh, UAE major uh, woman uh, pilot dropping bombs on them and 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 they say boobs on the ground the other thing they said was yeah she was mani- she managed to dropped the bombs but couldn't park the plane when she gets back. And then the Times headline, the Times headline on Friday, right, they have the poor teenage daughter of David Haynes calling for airstrikes to avenge her father's murder. Really? That's a serious fucking headline to put in a serious fucking paper? That's how we should decide foreign policy now? Take a poll of people who have lost loved ones in brutal and horrible ways in a conflict and see how the vote stacks up? What, over the last three years, ten years, twenty years, two thousand years? Yeah, let's abandon any attempt at considered analysis or civilised ethical standards and get it back to a system of international relations based on blood vendettas. Fucking beautiful. Beautiful. Now, the, the other confusion I have, in Edinburgh, when I was doing my show, I had a walkout. I was doing a little promo show. When you go to Edinburgh, you do promo shows in the afternoons in little venues where you do 10 minutes. And, uh, and then you hand out leaflets. You try and get people to come to your show. And uh, it was an afternoon show it was a family audience. My show was quite political. But I, I, I did general stuff in this show because I didn't want to sort of frighten people away. But at the same time, I didn't want to get them to the show under false pretenses, so I said, look, the show, if you want to come to see it, uh, it's at the assembly rooms at 6.15, and uh, children under 16 are not admitted because I figured that that way the uh, venue would be a less likely target for an Israeli missile strike. And, <laughs> you know, and, to, and this guy booed me. Uh, and I said, but come on, it's, it's not really a joke, it's pretty much more s- health and safety. LAUGHTER and he continued to booming. me, and I said, "Look, it can't be just me who wonders sometimes this ceasefire is just an Israeli word for reloading." And he, <laughs> and he, and he got up and worked, walked out. You know, well, and my attitude to ISIS is that one way or another, I really do think they need to be stopped, and I do think that it's different, and you can't bomb them without causing civilian casualties, which of course is exactly what the Israelis would say about Hamas now I think there is a difference in the position even if you support airstrikes on ISIS that there's a difference of proportionality uh, and so on but it's certainly a less clear moral position I realize that I have if I do support airstrikes it's a less clear moral position than 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 my uh, objection to to the Israeli bombings of of Gaza you know I don't have I don't have that same self-righteous sense of certainty about it. And I also do think there is a difference between ISIS and, 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 and everybody else involved in that region. Uh, but when I try and figure out precisely what it is, deep down, it, it, it's hard to express it. But I think it's this, right? There's, uh, there's loads of factions and countries in the, in the region, including us, who commit countless acts of horrible violence, but, but nobody else glories in it with absolutely no attempt to deny it or cover it up or justify it by claiming some kind of regrettable, necessary expedient. So as far as I can see, when I examine my own position, what makes ISIS so uniquely morally repre- reprehensible, in my view, is their complete lack of hypocrisy. <laughs> and maybe the best way to neutralise a bunch of barbaric, misogynist Islamic extremists is to buy their oil, sell weapons to them, throw in a few Rolls-Royces and call them Saudi Arabia. Anyway, that's my audition piece for Live at the Apollo. Um, <laughs> thank you.
0: Nick rebel ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm tempted to start talking about Tory penises for the last ten minutes of <laughs> the first half. I, I, there's two in the news this week, one defected to UKIP, of course. <laughs> and... And the other was, was, was photographed on Twitter by Brooks Newmark, the community's minister. You're all across this story, I hope. Has anyone seen the picture? <laughs> the story today is divided opinion, because uh, there's, there's an air of entrapment to it. What happened, as I understand it, is that a male freelance journalist <laughs> has pretended to be a female Tory PR and contacted a, contacted a lot of senior male Tory MPs. Said, and show us your uh, And and. and <laughs> Not not immediately. <laughs> they, these are Tories. You've got to clear it with nanny <laughs> then, then, But no, you you building up a mild flirtation with these MPs and it seems to have escalated pretty quickly. Yeah. And then moving to it hasn't. They've been they've been the fishing the hooks have been out for months. It's just that this is the only bite they've got. And and, and then that moves. <laughs> Moves into the arena of I'll, I'll show you mine, which <laughs> she did, and you show me yours. But I, I don't know, Paul. Is that journalism for you? Does that count? <laughs> does that? Does that? It's not Woodward and Bernstein, obviously. But no, does it's it
4: not Woodward and Bernstein. If we can agree on one thing from this <laughs> evening, that <laughs> was not Woodward and Bernstein. Um. We discussed this before the show. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly, at, at one level, I find this absolutely revolting journalism.
5: Yeah, I mean, is do on one level. And
4: one. it's the same as the fake shake. You're creating misdemeanor where there was no misdemeanor. You have basically, from nothing, from a vacuum, created an opportunity for someone to do wrong. At the same time, a lot of very successful and good investigative journalism, for instance, Cash for Questions, uh, was based on the same principle of alluring and, 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 and entrapping ministers to do something that didn't exist before the investigative journalists came along. But the difference I think was something with cash for questions. This is a direct political thing yeah. whereas sending your cock to a Sending send your cock—that's so not quite what we're looking for here. Sending a photograph of your cock um, is not is not it's not really a direct political thing. I haven't seen it. I'm a gay man. I don't need to see it. I see plenty. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've got grinder. Yeah, you I mean. you yes. <laughs> so no, I've not seen it. It's not something I particularly researched. To be perfectly honest with you, is it a thing? <laughs> is I mean, one name for it. Yes, one name for it. Is it? I mean, is this now
0: increasingly? Common behaviour, the, the notion of sending, I don't know, who to turn to i I'm first. not sure. Pictures I've, 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 I'll ask I've the never audience. done it. I'll, I'll possibly go 50-50. I'll say, I, is that, I, I, well, you're you're going to put your hand up, especially if the person you sent the picture to is not the person you're sitting next to tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I did it on my radio show, and my wife... I, what? I said, normal people oh, right, don't yeah. do this. Who the hell does this stuff? And my wife sent me a picture of her knickers. But <laughs> they were still on the dressing, on the, on the washing line at the time, which worked. As a visual gag. But has anyone here ever <laughs> sent, sent a picture of, of the... You totally have. I look at your face then! That was so funny! Was, there's no one. I'm not putting my hand up here. No, you see, that's what I don't quite get. At, at the point at which this anonymous person who doesn't exist asks to yeah, see... Yeah, but to
4: be fair, none of them... Ju- I mean, we, we don't know that none of them have sent a photo of their cocktail anymore. They're just choosing to keep a person. I'm relatively confident she hasn't sent a picture of her cocktail <laughs> <laughs>
1: Does it? I mean, we are in the West End, but I'm relatively confident that. There is a, there
4: is an issue of human frailty. Yeah. That if you keep provoking people and keep provo- provo- providing them with a scenario where they may fail as human beings, yeah. Then surely there is a chance that eventually they will fail as human beings. I know beings. what you mean,
1: and but it's it's kind of legit when it's actually in pursuit of some kind of proper actual wrongdoing, exactly. rather than just show us your cock. Ha ha! He showed us his cock, and you he's resigned. I mean? The defense you know. that the mirror
0: the mirror's defense is that. It wasn't entrapment because they bought it off a of freelance, which is... Uh, okay. Yeah, it's, I'm very pleased that Post Levison, my former friends on Fleet Street, have um, stormed the moral high ground a in a like way the, that none of us could have predicted or, like, or even it's hoped It's not murder
1: for. if you hire the
0: jackal. It was... Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but there is... I mean, in, in court, that would stand up.
2: Uh,
1: what? He's here
0: yeah. all week, ladies and gentlemen.
4: The point... The point, the
1: point <laughs> <laughs>
0: The problem being that, that the public interest, according to the editor of the Mirror, Susie, is that this guy was charged with attracting young women to the Conservative Party, both, both as activists and, and as voters. So they Ridley's say. Cock. Well, no, we,
4: I, I'm trying to move, I'm trying to elevate. <laughs> that
5: would be the last thing. If you want to look at a penis, just look at David Cameron. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Surely that would be the first cock that you would look at going to the. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> Again, otherwise, well, you have a list, is <laughs> it like. Does that
0: constitute public interest, the fact that... Absolutely not. What, but, but his job was to woo young women into the Tory party, but not like this, so not, the public not interest... Not to woo young no, women
1: into the Tory party.
0: No, no. <laughs> you don't see it at all, because I'm struggling to, but, but on the other hand, I, I quite like seeing political blood on the carpet, whatever whatever well, the... Well, car- you, no, I do. There was
4: a whole space of these stories at the time that John Major, rather ill-advisedly, was pursuing a back-to-basics yeah. slogan for Conservative politics, and back then it felt like it was justifiable muckraking. Yes. raking what's the difference
0: between justified and unjustifiable the then?
4: fact that there was, there was this no. the fact that there was, there was this this guy hasn't gone on record as saying mm-hmm. anybody who sends a cockpit to a stranger should be hanged he's not he's 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 yeah, not, it's, it's he's, he's not being a hypocrite as such yeah, like he's, being thing, a hum- yeah. he's being he's being a less than um, perfect human being and surely this is an issue between him and his wife and yeah. not between him and the party I suppose it's, it's, always the, you
1: know, it's, it's like the whole, um, is it legit to out the secretly gay sleb? Just like, well, no, if he's just minding his own they wouldn't business. It does. But We're is t- it okay to out the secretly gay, <coughs> fulminatingly angry anti-gay preacher? Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Dan, do
3: you... you know, no, I think that's exactly right. In the, in the 90s, John Major's Back to Basics campaign was actually for a period... He attempted to make it into an important part yeah. of the Conservative Party's appeal to the country and to the voters. And that, as everybody pointed out you know, a couple of years later, made it kind of fair game. I mean, you know, tough and harsh on, on individuals who were caught out. But if you have put in your election leaflet... That you have family values and you've put a picture mm-hmm. of your wife and children there, yeah. and you are cheating on your wife. But you just have no. to turn
5: it over, and it's the cock shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he almost sides. certainly he did. But
3: it's the hypocrisy. But he almost certainly would
0: have had that on his election leaflets. Yes. And they all do. It's, it's so, sure, I'm but, talking but about
3: the wife and kids now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I
5: can't
3: remember his but, but at the <laughs> moment, in the last three, four years, whatever the coalition has done, whatever the Conservative Party has done, they haven't been making. Back to basics or family values, that kind that of basic part of their political appeal. No. And it wasn't individual hypocrisy even that was mm. being gone for it, was institutional hypocrisy. Yeah. And that I think is the justification there and that's what I don't see here. And if the Sunday Mirror think that this is going to lose the
4: Conservative Party votes, then I think they're entirely wrong. This yeah. was a vote loser once upon a time in the late 80s and early 90s. Well, this, this is a party mid-time.
0: that will be led by Boris Johnson
4: soon, well, it, quite well, possibly, exactly. so... And, and, and the pe- people see his philandering as, oh, God bless Bob, bon. he's got funny blonde hair, he's right. allowed yeah. to bonk wherever he likes. He really is. It's quite surreal.
0: The impunity he enjoys, it, with a love child running around Chelsea and, 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 and poised to lead a party that has effectively made a tradition of family values, but as you say, in the last few years... So it's a timing point. If mm. it was ten years ago
5: off have got cartoon with his. goodies and cartoon maddies, it seems. that We're, yeah, we're, we're, doing, we're completely yeah. going back to basics. <laughs> there is the fact
4: that before today, not a single human being had ever heard of this man, so they don't really care about the story as well. <laughs> Brooks Newmark sounds like an American Ryder Cup golf, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it is like, like a doesn't publishing sell, company. Yeah, I mean, people... People just don't care. They mm-hmm. care if it shines a light on the stinking hypocrisy of a party policy. But if you don't know who this person yeah, is... Yeah, the first thing you've ever you d- heard about the this The first thing you've ever known is. about this guy is that he sent a cockpit. It's like, yeah, we've all done it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um,
5: no unfairness, I Time to, well. to make <laughs> up, James.
4: <my laughs> um, but no, I, I, think this is a, I think this is a misstep by the Sunday Mirror, who clearly tried to score some cheap points, but I don't think it's what the Labour... I don't think there's any electoral advantage All right, try to this be gained on. by the Labour Party I, I, this. I, I'm
0: not going to do this now, because we're, we're going to the interval. Um, I, I wonder increasingly whether or not the newspapers now are, are, are dancing to an entirely different tune from the rest of us. And, and I, I don't just mean on stuff like this. I mean on, on the, the, the stuff that they get excited about. There's a reason why readers are hemorrhaging from traditional print media. They're going to the websites, but they're going to the websites to look at pictures of cellulite. and, and, and I mean, the papers with the biggest, most successful websites have, have got pictures of Kim Kardashian accidentally flashing her knickers, when she, or lack of knickers, when she got out of a car. And, and yet the Sunday happened? Mirror, this could be one of the last big... Trumpet blasts of old-fashioned. What was it used to be? Bishops and on Sundays, you wanted a bishop caught with his frock off and a, and a, and a showgirl caught with her pants down. And, and I don't think the world is like that anymore, is it? it Your does
4: Sundays are very different from mine. Well, th- um. that's what
0: tabloid. I was a tabloid journalist. <laughs> that's what it used to be about. This would have been a jackpot once. And I really sense from everyone on the panel and from the room that, that it's just not a jackpot anymore. It's a slightly taut, It's a bit like an end of peer comedian trying to compete in the in the heyday of alternative comedy. The world's moved on.
4: But a lot has happened since Back to Basics and Now. There have been senior politicians who have been guilty of committing adultery. And after a while, they've not lost their jobs. They've not been forced to resign. The public haven't really changed... When people think of John Prescott, they think of him punching a man who's thrown a negative. No one one remembers his extramarital affairs. It feels that people aren't that interested in, in, in that. People are interested in hypocrisy and secrecy um, and, and people being, you know, essentially utter, you know, totally conning the public. That is what people are interested in the lie. Mm. People are interested in the lie. It's the same with being gay. Nobody gives a shit whether anyone's gay or not. But if somebody's gay and he's constantly being paraded around with beautiful women all the time, mm. then it becomes quite an exciting, gossipy sort of story. My and God,
1: we're turning into the
4: French.
5: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we could
0: do worse. Well. So anyway, we'll all be signing pictures of our penises during the <laughs> interval at the back of the room, just over there. Um, <laughs> so, so until then, please join me in thanking Paul Sinha, Dan Smith, Susie Ruffle, Mitch Ben. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the second half of No Pressure to be Funny. Now, um, who's been here before? Uh, 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 Well, you can tell everyone what I usually do at this point. What I usually do at this point is I pick up the contributions from the audience and I pull a sort of derisive, sneery face and go, you've really excelled yourself tonight. (laughs) And then I sort of take the piss a bit out of some of the weaker contributions um, and we all live happily ever after. But I have to tell you, I've got about six weeks' worth of radio shows here, so, so if you are kind enough to tune in at 10 o'clock every weekday morning to LBC, um, don't be surprised if you hear some of these questions popping up in the next few. I mean, this is absolutely bloody brilliant. Um, they're so good, in fact, that I'm not going to go through them now. I am just going to present them straight to the panel when they when they return to the stage. Uh, speaking of which, let's bring our first panellist and musical Maestro back to the stage to show you what he's come up with from those two sparkling suggestions. Is it the, 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 the burker in Camden and DLT? Um, ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Ben. There can be
1: no burkers in Camden, although it may be a surprise. And if you're a schoolgirl in Camden, we need to see more than your eyes. So if you think your facial features are something nobody should see, get a wig and some glasses and a big bushy beard, but some people might think you're DLT. There you go. Okay. That's a hell of a lot
0: more than that deserved. And uh, joining Mitch back on the panel, please, welcome back to the stage, Dan Smith, Susie Ruffle and Paul Sinner. All right. I've had, I've, I've had, I've had a bit of a rethink on the, uh, oh, yeah. on the audience. I'm going to do my face after all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe you're still asking ISIS questions. I think probably the general feeling will be we've covered that. No? Poss- <laughs> possibly enough? So Have uh, got a fresh angle on pa- it? Pa- well, th- it's yes. just a laugh a minute. <laughs> so, there, <laughs> there, there, no, ah, so there is a fresh angle on it, and, and it's even been emailed. But how did you do that, Colin? Is Colin here? Or is he, did, uh, wow, thank you. you so, so going to regret putting that hand in the air.
1: <laughs>
0: Ready? Yeah. Not you. Panel. You know what it says. Whilst ISIS has killed one UK citizen and threatened another, we brand them world terrorists that will make us sleepwalk into another war in the Middle East, panel. What does... This is in bold now, so I'm going to do the voice. (laughs) What does the panel think will happen with the potential mass killing of millions by Ebola that could make the plague of 1665 look like a picnic? Paul Sinner.
4: Well, you know what? I'm a qualified doctor. I know. So whoa, sorry. So I'm very qualified to talk about this. You, <laughs> I, I, there are years when I just couldn't move for Ebola patients coming into the surgery, and it's like <laughs> where, where, where were you? Where was your practice? Um, Somalia, n- <laughs> n- <laughs> n- n- <laughs> and it's kind of lemsip. A bit of lemsip just takes the edge off. That's that's, <laughs> that's kind of how it works. Um, the answers, of course, we don't know. We have, we have no idea, and you know. The, not since the Spanish influenza epidemic of the 1910s have we had anything that really comes close to this. And all we can really do is keep our fingers crossed. It's very... Um,
5: Which is great, because the amount of time it takes to get an appointment with the GP... <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> but but that, that is it. We're, we're not the experts. We, we, at the end of the day, we, like a lot of things, and rather depressingly, like a lot of things that we're going to discuss tonight... And ordinary people have no real option that's to keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best. And that is the same with Ebola. In two or three years' time, it could be a plague that wipes out a lot of the population. It could be. But in two or three years' time, this could be something that just basically had no great significance whatsoever. And we have to put our faith in epidemiologists and virologists who are working really hard at the moment to try and basically quell the disease. There's nothing we can really do about it. We're totally powerless. And, oh. and so the answer is just keep your fingers
1: crossed. And also, with some respect to Colin, it's coming out of the ISIS question. It's a bit apples and oranges, isn't it? I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, and what we, yeah, we can't bomb Ebola. I think Sarah Palin... I mean, yeah, I was going to say, somebody on Fox News will be angling for that, but I don't think you can actually
0: bomb a virus. I think Sarah Palin genuinely did say that there was evidence of, of Barack Obama's unsuitability to govern that he hadn't bombed Ebola yet. <laughs> It's, and that's why, uh, the that opening line mean, this evening on how
5: hard it is to write jokes at the well, moment. The is in, so, yeah. in, in fairness, well. it's because you can see it from our window. <laughs> <There you laughs> go, yeah. The same joke. <laughs> No, but does he anything about...
4: Um, I mean, the only good yes. thing about it is it rhymes with lowless, so musical comedians are kept in employment <laughs> for quite a while. I don't do the writing rude words <laughs> to old songs thing anymore. anymore. Um, <laughs>
0: I, that's quite <laughs> scary, Colin. Thanks. <laughs> Ah, 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 ah. I was trying to sort of lighten the tone a bit in the second yeah, yeah, half. Yeah. And yeah. Then, so now we're actually under threat from ISIS and Ebola, like a sort of really evil pincer movement.
5: <laughs> and climate change. And
0: climate change. No, don't worry which, about which climate change. It
4: sounds really depressing, but as far as I can remember, in our entire lives, we've always had several threats to civilization, And all you can really do is shrug your shoulders and leave it to the experts. There's not an awful lot more you can do. I was do. a lot
0: happier when it was the Beatles and pornographic magazines. Yeah. <laughs>
4: This, but, but you know, we, 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 I'm not of the generation that lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis. Everybody thought that yeah. the world was coming to an end. Then mm. everybody kept their fingers crossed, and it worked.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Paul, you're pretty much exactly the same age as me. For the whole of the 1980s, it was a matter of when rather than if we were all going to get nuked, wasn't it? it you absolutely. Know I mean? yeah. I, I'm
4: a big fan of Frankie Goes to Hollywood, yeah. and, 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 and as, as far as I could tell. <laughs> There were two tribes and they were going to war (laughs) and the best we could get out of it was a point. That's right, yes.
0: I am going to do the other one because it's got a one-word... And 22 remixes. It's got a a one-word answer. And I'm going to do, for the first time ever, I'm going to try and get every single submitted question out on the board this evening. So here's the other ISIS one. My question is, where do all the weapons come from? The Libyan conflict has flooded the Sahara with weapons, destabilising the whole region. So isn't the West really creating all this all over again in Syria. Uh, One-word answers, please. Dan.
3: A lot of the questions come from the U.S. A lot of the, the weapons sorry, Do, come from the U.S. To, to the Sahara. Pro- they're provided to the Iraq Army. I was going go to say, lot, a lot of
0: the questions come from the... Colin sent an email, but I don't think we're getting uh, I'm sorry, any... I'm, so, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, what, what I was thinking about
3: was the comment by an Iraqi MP uh, who said that he knew that there were 141 helicopters had been bought and provided to the, um, to the Iraqi armed forces and he was wondering where the other 140 had gone. <laughs>
0: and we're going to knit a few together now. Should politicians listen to pollsters in deciding policies? And before you, the reason I was rudely fiddling with my phone while Paul was talking is because, weirdly, this popped up on my Twitter during the interval from Owen Jones's new book, and it's about the difference between what the public think about things and what the reality is. <laughs> so if I were to ask the UK population, in a reliable opinion poll, what population of the UK at the moment is Muslim... What do you think the answer would be? Don't cheat, Mitch Ben. If, you oh, ask the,
4: uh, if you ask, you're asking... An opinion the British poll. What,
0: what what proportion of the British population do you think is Muslim at the moment?
4: 18.
0: And what do that's you think what I
4: think the answer would be. That's yeah. what
0: you think the answer would be. Uh, no, that's,
4: that's what, that's I did what the, answer poll the, poll the poll would say. And, and what do it.
0: you think the real number is?
4: Uh, I should know this because I wrote a radio show about this last year. It's something like... Um, 3% three it, you're four? pretty
0: close, it's 5% in mm-hmm. England and Wales the opinion polls say 24% of the UK population is Muslim, Dan um, the population percentage of the population who are immigrants, what do you think the public would say and what do you think the reality is
3: um, immigrants in the sense of not born in this country
0: immigrants in the sense of
3: <laughs> immigrants
0: yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the common use of the word
0: yeah.
3: immigrants, yeah. 30% and 10%? Very,
0: very close. 31% is the public opinion. Between 13 and 15% is the reality.
3: Their perception is a big thing,
4: because my family is about 50%. LAUGHTER
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> The percentage of social security that is claimed fraudulently, Susie... What do you think the public think it is, and what do you think the reality is?
5: I imagine the public think it is about 25, 30%, and it's actually around 12
4: I think it's less. No? It's
0: about 04 You will get your turn, <laughs> Mitch yeah. I'm just getting ready for Christmas at O'Brien uh, Towers. This is going to replace charades. this <laughs> <time>.
5: <laughs> The, uh, so pleased I'm not coming. Seven,
0: so <laughs> You're not invited after that answer. 7% so, <laughs> seven, seven of, uh, of the public believe benefit fraud. 7% is claimed fraudulently. The reality is 0.7%. Wow. Yeah. It is, it's tiny. Yeah. And Mitch, Ben, social yes. security. Mm. What um, percentage of the social security payouts in this country, do you think the public believes go to the unemployed and then the real figure of the percentage of social all social security money that goes to the unemployed I think they'll probably think, because I know that the
1: vast majority of social security is all age pension, that literally accounts for about 70% of it or something, uh, but the public probably think that it's about 60% goes on the dole and it's probably about 9% or something like that
0: It's 41% of right. the public the, the believe that yeah. They believe that 41% of Social Security goes to the unemployed. The real figure, and this stops all of us in our yeah. tracks, I think, is 3%. Yeah, uh, it's tiny. Yeah. 3%. And you're right. The pensions is, of course, the, the red herring it's there because missing. 29% of the public think more taxpayers' money goes on job seekers' allowance than on pensions. In fact, at the moment, the government spends 15 times more money on pensions than it does on any benefits, yeah. on all benefits put together. And, and, and you'll see why I felt that tied in quite perfectly with the question about how much politicians should listen to pollsters when they're <laughs> deciding policies. Because if, if, if the polls are telling you that and you have to formulate a policy that addresses public concern, how do you compute or, or process the fact that public concern is so... Wrong. Wi- yeah, wildly <laughs> misplaced. Wildly misplaced. I
4: don't think there's actually an answer that. I think you have to take each issue on its own merits. For instance, I think it's quite probable... That a majority of the people in this country are supportive—majority being over fifty percent—are supportive of capital punishment. I don't think there is a party that would ever dream of bringing capital punishment in as as a policy. And I think you it, not it been watching Doncaster over the last couple of days. It's surely only a Ooh, matter you know of time. What? We all like, like we all like a good wank. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dignity, uh, always dignity,
4: Paul. No, it's Ryder Cup weekend. It's Ryder Cup weekend. I'll be watching a unified Europe rather right. than UKIP. Um, so I, th- I think it depends on the, individual, on the individual issue. I think there are... A lot of the people on the left have to be honest about the fact that poll, opinion polls in the country wouldn't, nec- wouldn't necessarily support their long-cherished viewpoint on particular issues. There are, in, on, by contrast, opinion polls that do. For instance, gay marriage... I would love to talk to anybody who says that people who are against gay marriage are the silent majority and go, you have not read the opinion polls mm. because the opinion polls have consistently, for a number of years so the majority mm-hmm. of people in this country are pro-gay marriage. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you should bring gay marriage in. What means you bring gay marriage in is ethics and, and logic and, 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 mm-hmm. and un- understanding pol- political philosophy is why you should bring in gay marriage. Mm-hmm. So personally, I, I don't think... I don't, you have to take each issue on its merits... I'd hate to think that any party that I was voted for was basically swinging violently one way or another depending on opinion polls.
0: But I, I would argue they all are, Susie, at the moment. I mean, the benefits and immigration, most obviously, what else was on that list? It was just, They were the key signifiers. No-one's no actually telling the truth. No-one is standing up to the public and saying no. I mean, it would sound a little odd, I grant you, in a party political broadcast to go on air and say, don't worry, there aren't as many Muslims as you thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, the voice of liberal England. And uh, it's hardly any immigrants at all when you really drill down into it. And, oh, we're giving all your money to old people, not poor people. So, as you were, everyone relax. But no one is. <laughs> no one they, is. They
4: do that by showing Midsummer Murders five times a
5: day.
0: <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, staying with politics, this is beautifully put. Was this a headline, or did you come up with it yourself? Redheads missed kiss. Redheads miss kiss. I like that. This is referring to... Do you know that thing I said about when Ed Miliband claps and you have a little vague sense of relief when his hands meet? <laughs> I, I, Nick, Nick, Nick Nick will vouch for this because I said that to him over lunch before Ed Miliband missed his wife while trying to kiss her at the end of his <laughs> at the end of his party conference speech in in, in uh, where were they Manchester earlier this week and and I, I, that is really quite poignant. Red Ed's missed kiss. I think some people on the panel when they see that sort of go no,
5: I do yes. Mm. I do. I, I, I really, really want him to have some balls. And I really want him to be like good. Like Brooks Newmark. Yeah, exactly. I want to see him send his balls to a young girl that works in PR. But I, it's, just the, the, it's just the lack of confidence, the lack of every... I know that I shouldn't say this, but does anyone else look at Ed Miliband and think, if only you had a line of coke before you did this speech... <laughs> the confidence that you would have would really help the whole of the Labour Party. I feel like he's that kid at school that your mum made you play with. Like, oh, go and play with him. I know everyone prefers his brother, but it just hasn't worked out that way. He's eating crayons and he's by himself. <laughs> just go and play with him. And I just feel sad. I feel sad that that's, that's the leisure. Have
0: you, have you reached the end of the line, do you think, Susie? Is that, I mean, hoping against hope and then maybe just delivering a big speech and forgetting to mention the deficit. Is
5: I, yes, but I'm, I feel like I'm, I, I don't know what my other choice is. No. I feel lost in it all because it, it's... Yeah, it, it's a time when I go, oh fucking hell! You're the best bet, and I don't think that you can tie your shoelaces <laughs> like that. And you're the best choice. What the?
3: What is happening? I think I think I want to speak up a bit against this uh, anti ed consensus. Uh, Good among, amongst all of you. I don't think we don't I'm not like anti, him. I we just really first yeah. to do of all, well. he took on the Daily Mail and told them to bog off. He did. And yes. no politician in my lifetime has actually done that. Secondly. He mm. took on the Murdoch Empire and he told them to bog off yeah. as well. So, far. so I think he's got, no. he has got a bit of character. And I think when I watched that speech which he gave, the thing which I was thinking was why the hell can't you be yourself? Yes. Right? It's really difficult to give a very long speech on a number of topics, all of which require serious and in-depth treatment, without notes. So I've got a bit of advice for you. Don't. Absolutely brilliant.
0: But that would be the sort of... the the crayon-eating side of his personality, wouldn't it? That would be that. well, I'm going to do it without notes. That'll really impress Well, it won't, really. No, No, it's 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 not if you're shit.
4: (laughs) 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 uh, This week, what worries me a little bit is that the son have effectively bullied him. Yes. They've they've bullied him and they've said, why have you not posed for a photograph with a Help for Heroes wristband because last time I got
5: in so much trouble because there's boobs in the paper. Yeah. And well, I, what i like, What
4: that. I'd love Ed Miliband to say is, who the fuck made the sun moral arbiters of the nation? Yeah. 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 You're, you're, you're a newspaper based on lies, deception and bullying. And tits. Go, and, yeah. and tits, yeah. indeed. <laughs> Although, to be fair, that's very much part of the same thing. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and also, how... And I think this is quite a big thing. Yeah. I want to say to Help for Heroes, what are you doing? Yeah. You've made a big point of not being a political charity. I know you're letting them uh, And they did a lovely thing last year where they refused donations from uh, Tommy Robinson. Uh, he that's right. to, Tommy Robinson, the EDL, wanted to go on a, a big sponsored walk for, for Help Yaxley for Heroes. Stephen Yaxley-Lennon. Ste- yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and they said, no, we're not going to take political donations. Well, why are you allying yourself with a newspaper that's trying to make political capital... By bullying Ed Miliband, charity should be a private thing. I wonder it if they knew that was
0: going to happen. Actually, I wonder if the charity knew. it's a, it's a phone call worth making tomorrow morning. Yeah, tomorrow.
4: I, I have, I have no idea, no. and I have no idea. What worries me is that Ed Miliband has said nothing back, and that's what I mean when I say he's allowed himself to be bullied by the son. He has, a, he has, he could easily just say out loud. I was busy. It was the Labour Party conference. I don't know if you noticed. It was the Labour Party conference. I had other things going on. He could have easily said that. If I was writing
0: that up for the next day's paper, Miliband too busy for dead British troops.
4: (laughs) Well, you know, there's a thing. He says, I don't work for you, bitch. That's the
1: (laughs) thing he needs to say, you know
4: what I mean? And and it worries me that the Labour leader isn't able to stand up for himself. This
0: This is the thing I was saying at the end of the last half, this sense... That they still wield epic power, but it's completely misplaced now because it still informs public opinion, and yet it doesn't in, in, inform it in a meaningful way, and that's another very good example. But I, I don't know how you fight the power in that way. Could, as Nick mentioned the front of the Times focusing on the 17-year-old daughter of, of, of David Haynes, the aid worker, which is avenge my father, says, says daughter of aid worker, which really, that's the Times, like the Sun, same stable. It could have said, um, a, 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 a warmongering billionaire mogul... Exploits grieving 17-year-old girl to lead country to war again. That's
4: unlikely to be a news international editorial. To uh, I
0: was on the Express.
4: We went a little bit left field <laughs> back in the day. Tried to see things from a different angle. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: please, uh, actually, a b- 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 bit of housekeeping. The International Alert Dance Charity is going to be passing buckets or holding buckets at the door, so please... Uh, feel free to vomit in them. <laughs> <moment. laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> please show, show your appreciation for the amazing work that International uh, does. We'll be back at the end, of the last Sunday of next month. Until then, please join me in thanking Dan Smith, Susie Ruffle, Paul Sinner, and Mitch Ben. I'm James O'Brien. This is No Pressure to Be Funny. Thank you very much and good night. <laughs>